Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. We are looking at Scripture following Luke's Gospel. We are getting there to to the Passion narrative coming round soon to the birth and then Easter we'll get to the Passion narrative in Luke's Gospel. As As we approach this word, from Hebrews, a little passage from Hebrews that you know, and then from Luke, we do so in a spirit of prayer. So pray with me, will you? The prayer is printed in your bulletin. Listen to the word that God has spoken. Listen to the one who is close at hand. Listen to the voice that began creation. Listen even if you don't understand. Again. Listen to the word that God has spoken. Listen to the one who is close at hand. Listen to the voice that began creation. Listen even if you don't understand. Oh God, we seek to understand. Help us. Help us to understand your word and to find a way to live your word in the world. May your word be rooted in our hearts, for we ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ your living word, and we ask it in the power of your Holy Spirit. The people of God together say, Amen. The familiar passage from Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. And from Luke's Gospel, the 14th chapter, we're reading through. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely and then skipping ahead. He healed somebody, and then we are at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, Jesus told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you will start to take the lowliest or the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled And those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here we have another story of Jesus on the Sabbath. 
You know, in the 13th chapter, he healed a woman, bent over double. He healed her on the Sabbath, and it caused a ruckus. The Pharisees were upset. And then earlier in this chapter, I just skipped those verses, um, he heals a man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are religious, they are faithful, and they are particular, even peculiar about the law. And it's easy to bash the Pharisees. It's easy to say whenever they walk onto the pages of Luke's gospel, oh, the Pharisees, the Pharisees. But, uh, you know, they are religious people. They care about their tradition. They want to honor it, and naturally they want to protect it. And here this upstart Jesus is drawing a great crowd, and they just want to make sure he's doing right according to the law. So it's easy to bash the Pharisees, but I think we're doing ourselves and them and history a disservice when we do so. Nevertheless, the Pharisees are watching Jesus because they want leaders in the synagogue to do right. They're watching him closely. And guess what? Jesus is watching them closely as well. At this Sabbath, Jesus is watching all the people scramble for the good seats. He's watching all of the people trying to straighten their ties and get the place of honor. Jesus notices this. Jesus is busy watching them. And he calls them out on it. In God's house, in God's kingdom, at the heavenly banquet, God assigns the places of honor. You don't pick them for yourself, for heaven's sakes. And here on earth, the same applies. Make your earthly banquets resemble the heavenly one. The places of honor will be given to the lowly. This is a theme in Luke's gospel. And he goes on in the coming verses to talk about how Um, When you have a feast, don't just invite your friends, but invite people who can never repay the gift. Invite people who otherwise would be uninvited. Invite them and give them the places of honor. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the people who often go invisible. Invite them. Again and again, Jesus orients His disciples and reorients them and his would-be disciples to a newer way of doing things. Ancient Middle Eastern dinner customs were probably very clear about who was to be invited and how they were to be seated. This was probably very much ingrained in the culture, and the people in this story are doing what they had been taught through the generations to do. Jesus is turning that around. And he's busy working on the Sabbath, chip, chip, chipping away at the way human custom runs and suggesting a better way. That is God's way. So here in this passage, Jesus is grooming his disciples to think differently about hospitality, to think differently about welcome, to think differently about status and what's important and who deserves status. This is a passage about hospitality and generosity and humility. The disciples' place, their pecking order, the the seats of honor at any banquet, the disciples' place are the low seats, are the faraway seats, are the places of dishonor. Why? Because the disciples want others to be able to take the high seats, especially the lowly, the cripple, the orphan, the widow. They want them to come up and get the best cuts of meat from the table. They want them to be able to enjoy most directly the beneficence of the host. 
So disciples are sitting back and welcoming people in to the front. This is what Jesus is teaching them. Giving other people the places of honor. Everybody's welcomed. And we put the guests at the front of the line. And the lowly get the best seats. So if you want to be my disciple, this is how you'll approach life. You'll stop thinking about status and your place and your rank and elbowing your way to the front. That's not what you'll be doing. You'll be taking a step back and welcoming people in front of you. In front of you. It was hard for me to do that yesterday at the football game as we were lined up to get in. But nevertheless, we all made it, and we all got our seats, and we all enjoyed a game. And I think you have I won. (laughs) We did. So humility, of all the characteristics Jesus cares about for his disciples, humility certainly ranks up uh, among the highest. Maybe not the highest. Faithfulness might be the highest thing. But humility is up there. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Why? Because God will see that the disciples are helping others to the front, and God will notice and say, good job, good job. Imagine if we lived more like this. Imagine what would happen if we put others first. I know you already do that most of the time. Imagine if we did it a little more. What would happen if we went out of our way, really went out of our way to make others feel welcomed? What would happen if we were less concerned about ourselves and what we wanted out of the situation and a little more patient and thought a little more about what others wanted or needed out of the situation? I said a moment ago, it's nice to have a pair of new shoes every now and then, right? And so Dream has been given some new shoes to people who need it. But I don't know if you heard Rachel. Rachel says it's nice to have a pair of shoes that fit every now and then. And our growing children often don't have that. What would happen if we thought about that more often? What would happen if we treated others with greater care and respect and gratitude? What would happen if we were a little more humble. Paul writes these words uh, to the church at, at Rome, and, and these words, they don't haunt me, but they come to me often, and I just love these words. Uh, this is the great uh, chapter beginning uh, in chapter 12, midway through, about this list of what Christians are called to do. And in it, he says, love one another with mutual affection. And I like this, outdo one another in showing honor outdo one another in showing honor. That means you step back. That means you, no, no, after you. No, 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 after you. No, after you. After you. We welcome others to the front. Outdo one another in showing honor. If we did this more, if we did this better, if we did this with greater zeal and more humility, what would, what would happen? On the night that I was ordained as a minister of word and sacrament, Clay Brantley preached the sermon. It was a a cool evening in September or October, I guess, of uh, 1990, I guess. And we had gathered into church. The the sanctuary was filled with with lights, kind of like these lights. They're a little dim at night. 
I think architects, when they developed old churches, they said, let's make it look like a cocktail lounge at night. Because so many sanctuaries, they're just not very bright. That was true of that sanctuary. It was kind of a dim and candlelight and candle smoke, and we were all in. The congregation was hoping for the best. They had called me to be, or God had called me through their voice to be their next pastor. And they were wondering, is this going to work out? He doesn't seem competent, but he might be. You know, we hope he is. We, we are a church wanting to do good in this world, and we could use some leadership. And Clay stood up to preach, and he, he told a stolen story. He stole it from M. Scott Peck, but M. Scott Peck stole it from somewhere else. It's the folk tradition, uh, a folk story. There was an abbot uh, at a monastery uh, who was a friend with a wise rabbi. You know this story. And the abbot one night went to see the rabbi because things in the monastery were going poorly. The brothers were not praying with much energy. The congregation had shrunk. There was a lot of anxiety in the congregation, in the community. There were feelings of weakness and fearfulness, and people were anxious. So the abbot went to the rabbi, and they commiserated because things weren't going well in the synagogue as well. But the rabbi said to the, to the abbot before he left, there's something you need to know, my brother. The Messiah is one of you. So the abbot went back to the monastery, pondering what the rabbi had said, happy about it, confused by it, wondering about it. The Messiah is one of us. And so at chapel, there was Brother Elrod who had the loud, obnoxious voice. Is he the Messiah? There was Stephen who always slinked about, who was uh, sort of mousy and never, never really uh, engaged in conversations. Was he the Messiah? But it was Stephen who always showed up when you needed him. And it was Elrod who was wise. There was the arrogant Robert, and there was the quiet um, Stephen. And, and the abbot began to see the possibility that the Messiah was one of them. And the abbot began to treat them with great respect and honor. And the, the monks, they noticed. And finally they said, what's wrong with you? You are different on the inside. You are always happy to see us. Us. There's something uh, about you that's different. And it happened when you came back from seeing the rabbi. What did he say? And so the abbot finally admitted. The rabbi said, the Messiah is one of us. And everybody started treating one another with great respect and honor and patience and humility. You go first. No, no, no. You go first. No, no, no. I insist. You go first. And they began to love one another more deeply, more profoundly. They listened to one another with a sense of 
reverence, and, and even awe. Could it be the Messiah has just spoken to me? People in town began to notice. They would take their picnics on the lawn amidst the graves. And soon somebody said, I'd like to join the order. And he joined the order and became a monk. And then the abbot told him the secret. The Messiah is one of us. And the monastery grew. The anxiety eased away. The work of the brothers was bound together by a kind of new spirit. So Clay preached that sermon. And he said to the congregation, he said, Matt is not the Messiah. That's the last time I saw that man. <laughs> he asked us what would happen if we treated others with that kind of care. If we were slow to speak and quick to listen deeply. What would happen if we treated others with that kind of honor and respect and kindness. What would happen if our community was one that tried hard to be humble in all things? What would happen? What could be? Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.